Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. I've spoken at length with President Loon of South Korea. He came to Washington of late. In Chicago, migrants have taken over several police stations. Rebecca Brannon is an independent journalist. She captured all of this video you are seeing on your screen, and she joins us now with more. Uh, thank you for being here. Tell us what you, look, there's nothing like eyewitness testimony. Tell us what you captured, what you saw. Well, Chicago is out of time, money, and space, and that actually came from top aides to former Mayor Lori Lightfoot last month. And so now we're seeing about 100 migrants arrive per day in Chicago, being dropped off across the city at various police stations. And yesterday, I visited eight of those, and what I saw was not good. Uh, living conditions are unstable. People are living on top of each other, eating and sleeping off the floor. Some are ill, some have lice, some... But they're going to become your enemy. That's who you're going to be fighting. Because they're here to be put against the NYPD and the SRG. That's why they're here. That's why they're being brought in. That an illegal vote. They want to use them. The Democrats want to use them. I can't say and welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 24th of May, year of our Lord, 2023. That's not the president of freaking Korea's name. And I love watching these people in blue states get all sorts of upset. That was a Chicago and a New York. Today we're going to do a little bit of coverage on that attack, in quotes. A great beginning by Glenn Greenwald with a uh, Harvard uh, poll that, you know, a lot of times I say on here, blah, 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 and, you know, it's really what I feel in my gut, and then these polls come out, and you're going, God damn, I was spot on, 100% spot on on what America thinks, an HRC soundbite that'll get your nuts in a bunch, and uh, some media social justice warring. So, um... Let's just start with HRC. Let's just get to that dat bull shit. bullshit. Um, the thought experiment is. I'm not asking you to endorse this scenario, but what would happen if Trump won, first of all, in Ukraine? What would happen to the Ukraine situation? Look, if Trump wins, which I do not believe will happen, let me just quickly say that, if in some scenario that were to happen, um, it would be the end of democracy in the United States. 
it would be the end of Ukraine. It would become a, you know, we, he will pull us out of NATO if he wins again. Uh, just like he pulled us out of the Iran deal, he pulled us out of the Paris Accords, he will pull us out of NATO. Um, and so when you ask this question, I mean, the, the list of potential uh, disastrous outcomes is longer than I have time to uh, go over with you. But it's why we can't permit it to happen, why any sensible person who looks at that uh, former president and says, oh, let's do this again, um, <laughs> needs an intervention. Um, because he's only gotten worse. He is so angry that every one of their maneuvers to win the Electoral College, and remember, the Electoral College, this terrible anachronism that, you know, has caused, like, you know, people like me who win the popular vote not to be president, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> so think about this. I win by nearly three million votes over Trump in 2016. I lose the Electoral College by 77,000 votes. Biden wins by over seven million votes wins the Electoral College by 100,000 votes. It was the mirror image of what happened to me, only I was on the losing side, and Biden was on the winning side. And I know from you know people who have reported to me who were uh, talking to Trump and his family during that time, they thought they had Georgia totally set. They thought they had Arizona totally set. They had been you know, working hand in hand with Republican governors and legislatures to limit the vote as much as they possibly could. Um, and they certainly, you know, thought that Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania were, you know, uh, potential opportunities for them. So he is angry because his, his game failed, his rigged game to steal the election. I mean, you can always tell what Trump is really doing because he will accuse somebody else of doing it. It's projection unlike anything I've seen in public life. They thought they would pull out the Electoral College. It didn't matter that he was gonna lose by over seven million votes. It didn't matter because they don't believe in majority rule. They believe in pluralities that they determine and they are going to do everything they can to prevent people who don't vote for them from voting. Uh, so I don't think he can win, but the Electoral College is always a, uh, you know, a difficult uh, um, outcome to predict. So yeah, we have to stop that from happening. A very brief question, then I'll go to the audience. Um... I played that in entirety. Because that's okay. You have um, this jackass. This is from May 21st, 2023. Trump is a Russian spy who works for Putin. He should not have been permitted to step foot in the White House. His presidency was a global security threat. The world will be safer when the U.S. holds him accountable. That is 2023. They are still saying Russia stole the election. She is still permitted to go out and sell the big lie. Because that's what you say Trump's doing. 
A newly released Harvard poll, Harvard poll conclusively demonstrates how radically out of touch is liberal corporate media with the views of Americans. It's not just the corporate media rejects Americans' views. They don't permit the views to be heard. Majority of Americans say it's false that Trump colluded with Russia. The Steele dossier is also false. In other words, they view the story the U.S. media aggressively centered for three years as a hoax by 54 and 56 percent. Let me get to the one I want to get to. There you go. Hunter Biden laptop is real. 59 percent. 59. These ones Mm, here we go. Yeah, we want to do this one. Hey, this never pairs up. Sorry about that. Most voters do not think the FBI is investigating it. 55%. From what you know, do you think Hunter Biden was involved in illegal influence peddling and tax evasion? 63%. Over half of voters think Biden was involved. 53 percent you then and this is going to go crazy so I'm going to back it up voters are very concerned about the future interference by the FBI and intelligence agencies in elections and think additional reform is needed are you concerned or not concerned about interference by the FBI very concerned 37 60 33 percent so basically 70 percent of America are concerned and only 10% are not concerned at all. Those are all Dems. Does the U.S. government need wide-ranging reform? 71%. Voters are not surprised that the FBI violated its own policy to start the Russian probe. That's 69%. And when you get in there, um, 45% of Dems believed it. Because remember... They started this. They drew first blood, so to speak. Most say they have doubts about Biden's mental fitness. Is Joe Biden mentally fit to serve as president of the United States or you think you have doubts? 57% believe he has problems. Do you think Joe Biden is showing he's too old to be president? 65%. In the inlays, Democrats believe 76% they believe he is fit. Independents think 35%. Then when you get over, is he too old? Showing he is too old. A third of Democrats believe that. The GOP, 94%. And the capper, independents think. Trump wins hypothetical general election horse race against Biden by seven points and against Harris by 11. You won't hear that on the media because they're already starting psyops. The psyops has already begun. I mean, we're, we're into Biden's already planning his next thing. Musk, Trump, and DeSantis are most favorable figures. Favorable net, Musk, 47%. Don't see that in the media. Donald Trump, 46. DeSantis, 45. Bernie Sanders, 42. Joe Biden's 42. Uh, 
Hillary Clinton, 41. Pretty surprising if you think about it. Because the way Musk is treated in the media is he's a piece of shit. In the Democratic primary, Biden is a favorite and consolidating support behind him. Harris is the runner-up. RFK. Wow, he wasn't even listed on this poll. That's fucking amazing. That's not amazing. That, that makes total sense because why would they do it? If the Democratic primary... Um, presidential primary for 2020 election was held today. Who would you vote for? Joe Biden. 41% said they'd vote for Joe Biden. Then you get into the media. Trust in news collapsed a historic low of only 11%. And they don't say what they do. Newspapers are blue. Television is the red color. And then the big surprise. Americans mostly believe news they hear on podcasts. That's why I hold off a lot of stories. Just to make sure I'm, I'm, I don't care. You know, I'm not like dick face with the misinformation stuff. I just want to make sure these stories are true. That's why I held off on the bike incident because it meandered for a while. Then we see... New poll shows majority of Americans have a negative view of George Soros. Americans clearly aren't buying it. 47% of voters agree with Musk's quote, including 35% who strongly agree that Soros hates humanity, according to the survey taken between May 16 and 18. People know, because you can sit and say it's not happening, but we see what he's doing. Then you get down into the Biden approval. 40% approve, 59% disapprove on the economy. 33% approve, because that's all corporations. Immigration, 31% approve. And I'd really like to know, who's that? Who dat? Then you get shit like this. This is a Midwest city that's lost its fucking mind since George Floyd. We passed a public option in health coverage for undocumented Minnesotans. All Minnesotans deserve affordable, high-quality health care. Huge wins. Huge wins. I replied to this. Every poll disapproves of this issue and free everything. Americans know this plan, Dems concocted, to have forever power is causing 121K fentanyl deaths in just the two years of Biden. Murders, theft, property damage, DUI deaths, and 36 terrorists caught, who knows how many more. All for votes is criminal. That's all they're doing it because they want to replace the American people. They want a long form, these people will vote for us forever because 
they can't come through with what they always talk about. And then an interesting one. And I think I bookmarked a bunch of these, but I'm just going to go ahead and read it and not do the whole fucking slideshow. Um, Jordan Neely, isn't it interesting that leftists are always more concerned with criminals rather than the victims of crime? Neely was arrested more than 40 times, mostly for violent crimes. He kidnapped a seven-year-old girl and only got four months for it. Neely punched an elderly woman and fractured bones in her face. He attempted to push someone in the path of an oncoming train. He was on a watch list of violent people who ride the subways. He assaulted scores of others. On the day he encountered Daniel Penny, Neely was threatening subway passengers with violence. With his erratic and violent behavior, he also alarmed citizens that multiple people dialed 911. In typical fashion, many people recorded Neely but did nothing to prevent his onslaught. Daniel Penny stepped forward to protect his fellow passengers. Once he sprang into action, others joined in. Obviously, Penny is a white man, but others who assisted him were black. Nevertheless, leftists have branded Penny as a white president. Soledad O'Brien is accused Penny of being a murderer. Her tweet. And I think I got her tweet. Utterly bizarre. Here's how he describes the killing. As if he was actually the perpetrator. Absolutely crazy. I'm deeply saddened by the loss of life, Penny told the Post. It's tragic what happened to him. Hopefully we can change the system that so desperately failed us. He continues... But what about Jordan Neely's victims? Where do they enter in the equation? Does anyone on the left care about people he terrorized? Are they not capable of seeing that dangerous criminals sometimes lose their lives when engaged in criminal activity? And what about New York City and their brand of justice, where criminals are free to assault, rape, kidnap, and even kill with minimal to no punishment? Is that what compassion looks like to the left? Is it ever okay to punish criminals? Why is it that when criminals meet their demise when committing crimes, leftists rush forward to proclaim white supremacy, systemic racism, while providing every excuse for the criminals? Because white supremacy exists, it's okay to murder, loot, and burn. What? Why? The bottom line is that leftists don't believe in personal responsibility. Instead, like the Marxists they are, they believe in collective responsibility. But how did that work out for Neely? Did the collective rescue him from himself? No, they left him rotting in the street. They created an environment that was safe for him to kidnap young girls, punch old women in the face, and rob innocent people. And now they want to blame Daniel Perry for the final and totally predictable outcome of Neely's life. Do leftists take any responsibility for what happened to Neely? No. Of course not, because it's easier to burn loot, right, and blame white supremacy for the problem they created. You know, I, I think what he did was excessive. And by that, I, you know when you choke somebody out and then you stop. And they clearly didn't. So that's, that's not good. Um, it, it's not good at all. And, and probably manslaughter something. You know. And I might be on the fence on that. Maybe some people don't believe that. But y- you know that he stopped breathing. You know that. But this is a regular occurrence. This is pretty graphic. 
not like horrible. But this was on Twitter, and this is Minneapolis. This happens quite often in New York, Chicago, Minneapolis, by people just like this black Michael Jackson impersonator. People is gone, G. What the fuck? What the fuck? Damn. This is crazy. That shit is crazy. Now, I don't want to get a, on a soapbox because, you know, who the fuck am I? I'm just some guy in a bunker doing a podcast for family and friends. The worst part of that for me is that people just sat and filmed it. It was like a car crash. What it, What does that say about us? In this age of technology, what, what does it say? You know, I remember a long time ago, there were faces of death that was on the internet. And I know when I was really going through some mental problems with post-war shit, when I got out and I felt bad and guilty that I, uh, I did get out and lost friends, there was a website that um, posted kill shots for both sides. They had a video of a uh, Iraqi sniper. I believe he got like 60 people shooting guys while they're in the turret eating lunch, just getting shot right in the face. It was horrible. It used to make me really angry. But I would go back every once in a while and watch those videos and see what else they had, roadside bombings. I remember seeing one they put up because they... They were supposedly the theory was they were anti-war, but it seems like they really put a lot more of um, Al Qaeda, Taliban killing Americans up because the U.S. media was putting you know the other ones up, and it was a Bradley that got incapacitated. It was just sitting there. They had evacuated in an ambush. And it was a scene from Black Hawk Down. All these Iraqis jumping up and down. And in comes a Maverick missile from a fucking A-10. At least that's what they said. And it was the last moments of everybody, including the person holding the camera. So somebody must have found the camera and then uploaded it. They would have videos of people coming around corners shooting at tanks with RPGs that would just bounce right off it and the coax would just blap they'd fall blap they'd fall back they're dead Uh, taking full bursts of 7.62 and I would watch that I don't know why it wasn't a sick fascination You know, I saw things in war. I didn't really recognize it. I just had the same thing most vets do. It's glad it ain't me. 
Glad I'm not dying. It's kind of more of a survival concept in your head. As a leader, it was more, I'm glad none of my guys are getting killed. Why did that dumbass do that? And cheering. Bomb runs. It was a weird thing. It was kind of cool. It was like watching a game. But the game was war. So I'm not saying I'm not above that. Everybody is. There is a fascination with death. But some dude was just trying to go home. Or check. Or I don't even know. There's nothing attached to that article. Just trying to go home. And some asshole just pushed him out in front of the train. And he got turned into a grease spot on the side of the platform. A, the action is insane. Why would you do that to somebody? But why is everybody just so fascinated they're just videoing it like it's a... It's like, okay, cool. And you see it a lot now. There was a video I sent to my brother and sister and my wife and it was a black guy beating the shit out of a lady. There's no pretense of what happened. It was a park, probably in New York. It got taken offline. James Wood put it up. And there's probably a three-year-old kid there, a toddler, trying to make him stop hitting his mom. And he's just wailing on her. Most likely because she's white. But I thought, what does that do for the kid? What, what, is, what is the repercussions of him seeing his mother thrown around like a rag doll and a very large man sitting on her and just pummeling her face? And what made that man do that? Why did that... What hate did he have for just a random stranger? Yet we've shown that on this podcast numerous times. Random African-American men in New York walking up to old lady hunched over Chinese, Korean, I don't know, Asian, and just wailing on them. We showed Chicago, a guy just walking behind a homeless guy and shooting him in the head. There's no more reporting on that. Because the very people that supposedly called 911, they just sat and filmed it. Just filmed it. And then went back to eating their breakfast. One of the things that I was proud about with combat was that Americans, and it's been said about World War II, you know, Korean War, fucking Civil War, every war we've ever fought in, including Afghanistan and Iraq. We are very slow to become killers. We raise our children we live in a soft society. There's nothing wrong with that. We have every creature comforts that most countries don't have. You have um, flush toilet. You know, I mean, 
My wife sometimes gets shocked when we're watching other um, countries, shows, and, you know, we were watching this one, and they had to go get their water and carry it. And, I mean, she knows these things, but when you see it, you know, it just was like a moment thing where she goes, she has to carry her water home? And I was like, yeah. I mean, most of Afghanistan, there's there's a local well. People don't have water. They don't have bathrooms. One of the buildings we cleared on the compound that we took out on day one on Operation Anaconda was a shit hut. They just shit in this building. Little cat holes. That's where they shit. It was really gross smelling. So we, we live very soft. So it takes us a long time. We value human life. We used to raise our kids to be kind. I remember my son once stomped on a girl's face. On recess, knocked her tooth out. Tooth was coming out. You know, it was, it was loose tooth. And I made him go over there. He was a little guy and he was so embarrassed. I felt bad as a parent, but I knew it was the right thing to do. And I made him go to that house with the mother and the girl and apologize for what he did because you don't hit women. You used to get on him when he started hitting his sister. You don't hit your sister. You protect your sister, even though she didn't need protecting. So we take a long time. And in almost every conflict, we are shocked by the cruelty. Japanese, Nazis. Think of all the beheading videos you watched. How it would just matter of fact they chop a motherfucking head off. They were about the horror, sending signals being barbaric and we didn't I told a story about the guy we got with the hole in his head I told the motherfuckers from another from fucking 187 infantry from 10th mountain to get the fuck away from me because they just threw him on the ground and my guys started talking shit so I made them take care of him all night until he went on the black helicopter to get Mo and they literally were like thanks you're right because once the fighting's over, you disarm them, you handle with the five S's. You don't treat them great, but you protect them now. They're no longer combatants. They're our prisoners. That's what we do. But I don't know anymore. Every time I see these videos from what's coming out of these blue cities where people are stacked like rats in a cage... It's starting to become pretty barbaric. What African Americans are doing to African Americans in Chicago. Are we still the same? Are we just desensitized? You know, I wouldn't be that guy that goes, oh, it's a video game. You know, I don't think it's video games, but... Some dude was just going home. He just wanted to go home. Don't know if he had a family. Don't know if he had a girlfriend. I don't know anything about this person. But now he's a grease spot. 
And people just videoed it. Like, look at that. Dude's fucked up. You hear that one guy talking about it. For me, I know what happens and then I see it and I go, God damn. What a horrible way to fucking die. And then I get into, why would you do that to somebody? I mean, well, what makes you do that? Because in my rationale, combat, I don't give a fuck. Drop bombs on motherfuckers. Do the whole fucking village bunny style. I didn't give a fuck. I, don't, I wanted to live. I wanted my guys to win and live. And they had done 9-11. It was just all rational. Because it's war. So yeah, it might have just taken a bullet, but a 2000 JDAM on top of your head, I'm good with that. Fuck it. For me, it was always, yeah, I'd, I'd rather catch the dushk around right fucking here. 51 millimeter in the head or a fucking IED that vaporizes me. I don't even know what happens. I was just always scared of the gut shot or slow bleed out because I'm a pussy. That's not the way I wanted to go. It's a little deep, I know. Not my usual podcast, but that video troubled me. People just standing around like that. That's okay. Because, because for them, it is okay. So, going to get on the show. Well, let's do Hillary really quick. I got a tweet from her fucking dumbass. Where the fuck is it? There it is. Um, Ron DeSantis, ultra mega Florida, isn't safe for people of color, LGBTQ plus people, or even multi-billion dollar corporations. Dana Loesch, her husband was slammed by the NAACP for being a member of an all-white golf club and frequently played at all-white golf clubs until New York Times busted him, breaking multi-million dollar corporation to be given a stripe on the pride flag. That's a joke. Tom Elliott. Hillary disabled the replies on this tweet, probably because she didn't want people replying with comments like LGBTQ plus are safer in Florida than young women were when your husband was aboard the Lolita Express. And, you know, I'd like to bring to the court's attention that neither one of them were for gay marriage. Neither one of them were for anything until the wind blew and they carried it. That being John Kerry. So shut your nasty snatch, you fucking whore. And let's go to my soapbox. Asian dude attacks the White House. It was a quarter day story once the race was identified. Well, good evening. Right now, I'm here at 16th Street Northwest and K Street. Right here, you can see the Secret Service. They have blocked off this intersection. This isn't the only one. Come with me right over here. You see this tape? All the way leading from here to the White House, you have street after street uh, with 
yellow crime scene tape all around. You have Secret Service agents that have shut down. This is Black Lives Matter Plaza. Take a walk with me right over here. And you see all these folks? They tell me that they were at the Hay Adams Hotel. Some of them are here because their kids are graduating from college or they're tourists that want to check out Lafayette Square and the White House. And then all of a sudden they were told by the Secret Service to immediately evacuate. So look, this is approximately, I'd say, one, two, three blocks away. Look how far they had to evacuate. Right over here to 16th and K. I'm now joined by Brian Burke. Brian, your daughter just graduated from University of Maryland. You're here in town. You were in the Hay Adams. What's your reaction to all of this? It's a little crazy. Uh, got the whole family in town for graduation and get evacuated from the hotel and don't really have uh, too many options right now, so we're trying to hang tight, but kind of just uh, a little bit uh, put, put off right now as to what to do. And what were you told? What, did, did the Secret Service tell you, hey, you got to leave the hotel? How did that all come about? They just said you had to leave the hotel. There's been an incident. That's it. All right, thank you for joining us, Brian. Now, the incident Brian could be talking about, keep in mind this is preliminary and it's still under investigation, as Jim Loke was telling you, uh, that there was a U-Haul that crashed near the White House. That has been confirmed. However, they are investigating to see if that is somehow connected to the evacuations. Of course, here on News Fox 5, we don't assume anything. The 19-year-old suspect arrested for driving into a security barrier near the White House will appear in D.C.'s federal court tomorrow. This comes as court documents shed more light on why investigators believe his actions were intentional. And Fox Fire's Stephanie Romero, she's been keeping track of this story, this case from D.C. Superior Court. And Stephanie joins us now with what more she knows. I know some new information came in, Steph. Andy Shamari, according to the court documents released today, it says that 19-year-old Sai Kundula stated his goal was to get to the White House, seize power, and be put in charge of the nation. And when federal investigators asked him how he would do this, he allegedly commented that he would kill the president if he needed to do so or hurt anyone in his way. Also very important to note that investigators said that they did not find any explosives, ammunition, or weapons inside the U-Haul. So the story comes out, um, an Asian dude takes down um, his U-Haul and he uh, attacks, and I'm trying to get to the, uh, let's just get to the, which ones we got? Yeah, it'll be right here. We'll start here. So uh, before we play a CNN clip, because you know it's coming, U-Haul truck crashes Lafayette Square, White House, Hay Adams and Sofitel evacuated. St. Regis Hotel on lockdown. Breaking right now. The Secret Service is using a robot to search the U-Haul truck. U-Haul crashed near White House. Multiple buildings evacuated. New video. Chris says he was walking home from his run on the mall when he witnessed the U-Haul driver ram the barricade to Lafayette Park. I decided it was time to get the hell out of there, he says. I didn't play that one. Breaking. According to the Secret Service, blah, blah, blah. I played it and there's like multiple little things. Took this photo of the White House and immediately heard the crash behind me. Figures someone may have accidentally crashed until the U-Haul backed up once again, trying to break through the barrier. Then we start getting into what I like to call dat bullshit. New investigators pulled what appeared to be a Nazi flag out of the U-Haul, but they haven't provided any further detail. 
Driver detained as truck crashes near White House. Nazi flag found. Reuters. An empty box truck hits the barrier in front of the White House at low speeds. The driver surrenders. Secret Service FBI conveniently places evidence in a perfect camera photo op. They then roll it up. This is not how you process evidence. And they know it. And I hope I got this one. Yeah. Cops always remove evidence from a vehicle and lay it on the floor. Said no one ever. All of the top replies in this tweet are conspiracy theorists and right-wingers shouting false flags. What a wonderful website this has become. That's Mehdi Hassan. Breaking news. I have very liable tip to the driver of the U-Haul that crashed in Lafayette Square and the White House gate is Cy Ver... Dirshi Kandula. And I, I didn't... I don't think I got the picture. No, I didn't. So we're, we're going to get the picture. Because this is Carol Markowitz. And once this went out at 7.44 a.m. yesterday, I never heard about this story anymore. It just completely went... Buh-buh. That's your white supremacist. Evan Lambert, ID the man, charged with ramming a truck into a barricade by a White House last night as Cy Versheath Kandula, 19, at Chesterfield, Missouri. He faces the following charges, assault with a dangerous weapon, reckless operation of a motor vehicle, threatening to kill, kidnap, inflict harm on the president, vice president, or family members, destruction of federal property, and trespassing. Another one. Did they confirm that it was a Nazi flag and not the other kind of swastikas? Because there's a shitload of swastikas. A few years ago, there was a movement among South Asians to reclaim the swastika as a symbol of peace. Will be interesting, and that's the story Kandula goes with when he does the flag. And, and I never covered it on the show. This is real. It was way before Nazis hijacked the shit and made it their crap it was a religious symbol oh you motherfucker will you just stop fucking around and save it there you go The face of white supremacy, straight out of central casting. White supremacist terrorists are so hard for the FBI to recruit, they had to issue a H-1B visa for one. And this, I'm fucking up today because uh, I, I, I meant to put this in because this, this is really fucking funny. Um, the New York Times art department. <laughs> And you make it white. That's funny. Huge update. The drivers, da-da-da. Democrats aren't even trying anymore. You couldn't find one white racist white guy to do this when your party is full of racist white guys? It's a good question. It's a really good question. But we're talking CNN. They just, come on. They didn't care what color the person is.
But here's where we begin. This developing overnight, maybe even after you went to sleep, a U-Haul truck ramming into security barriers near the White House. Police say the driver was threatening to kill, kidnap, or harm the president, vice president, or their family. Video shows police inspecting a Nazi flag with a swastika, a roll of duct tape, a notebook, and a black backpack that the suspect apparently had with him. Eyewitnesses say the driver crashed into the barriers, reversed, then tried to smash through them again. The Secret Service evacuated a nearby hotel as bomb technicians searched the truck to make sure there were no explosives. We are told nobody inside was hurt. So let's begin with our senior justice correspondent, Evan Perez, live at the scene. Terrifying. Evan, what do you know this morning? Yeah, good morning, uh, Poppy. This is the scene uh, where this all went down. Uh, we're uh, at Lafayette Park, just a few hundred meters from uh, the White House. Uh, and according to the police, uh, the uh, driver of this truck came onto the sidewalk here. You can see the tire marks here down on the sidewalk, uh, rammed into the bollards right there, the, uh, the, the barriers that are protecting the, the park and, uh, from access to the, uh, to the park and to this, the White House. Uh, rammed it a couple of times uh, before they were uh, arrested and charged. Now, they're facing multiple uh, charges right now. Um, this uh, person has not been identified, but they're facing charges of assault with a dangerous weapon, threatening to kill or kidnap a president, uh, destruction of federal, federal property, trespassing, a number of charges. We're expecting to, to, uh, to learn more about the suspect uh, later today. Uh, one of the things that happened immediately afterwards, of course, is the concern that there could be explosives inside that U-Haul truck. Uh, according to uh, the FBI, which did a, a, a search of it, no explosives were found. But for a time, the uh, Secret Service evacuated the Hay Adams Hotel, which is across the street. Uh, now, right over there, you see uh, Black Lives Matter Plaza. This is a uh, this is, of course, a scene of a lot of protests uh, in the wake of the killing of George Floyd. Uh, and, you know, looking at what you see in one of the videos there, uh, according to the police uh, who are doing a search of the U-Haul, what you see there is someone holding uh, uh, what appears to be a flag with a swastika on it. There's a backpack. Those are things that apparently were found inside that U-Haul. And so the concern now is to figure out what what brought that person here to Washington and, of course, to the scene here. Poppy? My goodness, it is so striking, Evan, to see that laid out on the ground, the swastika and, and those threats uh, to the president. Thank you very much for the reporting. Of course, chunked in my pants, Ungner. He went all in on this shit. That's easy. One, because he's mentally unwell. Two, there's a theory that Indians are Aryans. Look it up. Three, and he probably got brainwashed by right-wing media and made the mistake of thinking you guys are on his side when you would actually hate him because of his race. But there's an election coming. They got issued satellite phones. And on the same day, we're dealing with the attack. Pramilia J. Alapal decided to get the cat out of the bag of what the Dems are going to plan again for 2024. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire uh, House Democratic, you know, caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets. You know, I mean, I think that this is 
it's important that we don't take steps back from the very strong agenda that the president himself shepherded and led over the last two years. But if the president agrees to spending caps or if he agrees to work requirements on certain social safety it's programs... It's going to be a problem. We do not legislate through the debt ceiling for this very reason. Well, you know, it just, once again, if you don't want to have conspiracy theories, stop acting like crazy people. Uh, Ellen Carmichael, these people are so Looney Tunes, it's embarrassing. A perverse wish fathering this thought. Stochotic terrorism. That, that's what it is. Then you got the ATF. We have all sorts of ATF. May 4th, um, actual tweet. On May 4th, ATF reminds everyone not to lie and buy a firearm stating the gun is for you when it's for someone else. It's called straw purchasing and you can land you in jail for years. For more information, go to don'tlie.org. Next one. We look to those who live in communities we protect to provide us with information about gun violence or other violent criminal behavior. Go to ATF.org. Help us remove trigger pulls, pullers from the street. Well, that would make sense if you actually arrested them, but you don't. If there's certain colors, you know, there's a whole bunch of rules you got going on there. And then, last but not least, Ellen Barkin. I'm sorry to have to say this. I'm sorry for my language, but I fucking hate these motherfucking Republicans. Every last one. Fuck them, one and all. Our media our Hollywood people, you name it. It's irrational hate. And it isn't grounded in any form of realism. It's just hate. It's not policy. It's hate. So, going to do a six to nine round burst. A long soundbite about an A-10 pilot who took all sorts of hits on a mission. Uh, it's like 10 minutes long. And we're going to start uh, that sound bite with Jake Tapper grilling Sullivan. It's not really grilling, but uh, how they lost all sorts of money going to Ukraine. Don't know where it went. You, you were talking about uh, aid to uh, Ukraine a minute ago. Uh, there was this very bizarre admission from the Pentagon this week uh, of an accounting error uh, that suggested that the U.S. has at least $3 billion that it didn't know it had that it can use for Ukraine aid. That's a hell of an accounting error. Um, and it provides a lot of fodder to critics of U.S. aid to Ukraine and critics who say there's not enough oversight going on. Um, are you concerned about this accounting error? Well, one thing I just want to make clear, that is not money that went out the, dis the door and disappeared. That is not uh, a waste of that $3 billion. It is simply a tally of how much military equipment we have given them. I'm seeing the firefight happening. There's flashes, there's smoke. I can see Baghdad getting closer. I've got this master caution light flashing at me. My panels lit up like a Christmas tree, so I look up at the hydraulic gauges and they're at zero which is why I can't control the airplane. Shooting the gun for the first time in the A-10 is when you actually feel like you're an A-10 pilot. You roll in, point right at the target, you call in, and then stabilize and pull the trigger. The gun shakes, you can smell the gun gas. 
And then ideally you see like little sparkles on a metal target and it's instant satisfaction. It's full body experience. My name is Kim Casey Campbell. I recently retired from the Air Force after 24 years of service. Over here is Colonel retired Kim Casey Campbell. Colonel Campbell was a career A-10 pilot with over 1,800 flight hours and more than 100 combat missions. Please join me in welcome here. I decided that I was gonna be a fighter pilot after watching the Space Shuttle Challenger accident. I was so connected to the fact that these astronauts died doing something that they believed in, something bigger than themselves, and realized that most of the pilots come out of the Air Force Academy. And so that was my plan. I was gonna to go to the Air Force Academy, become a fighter pilot, and then ideally I had this goal someday of becoming an astronaut. I think this was my room okay. when I was a four degree. This was it, so many memories, although there were three of us in this room, so it looks a lot different, but this is definitely the room. It's very competitive, but at the same time, we learned very early on that if we don't work together, we're not gonna succeed. After graduation, I got the opportunity to get my private pilot's license, and then finally went off to Air Force pilot training. I found out very quickly, I really love the low-level missions in pilot training but this idea of close air support and helping our troops get home safely to their families, I mean, that was something I could get on board with. To me, the A-10 was the perfect choice. So this is the A-10 Warthog. This one is a little bit different than the ones that I have flown because this is the original paint scheme on the A-10. It's green instead of the gray airplanes that I flew. It was designed to take hits while performing its mission of close air support. So you can see that it has two very reliable engines in the back there. And then also the fuel tanks, both in the wings and then in the fuselage, are enclosed in this protective foam lining to prevent fire after battle damage. Perhaps most loved by the pilots is that up there in the cockpit, the pilot actually sits in what we call a titanium bathtub. The A-10 was designed to take so many hits while performing its mission. September 11th, 2001, obviously the world changed forever. My life as an A-10 pilot, my life as an Air Force officer was gonna change dramatically. I went from training in the A-10 to 9-11 happening to deploying to Afghanistan all within a span of about six months. I spent my first time as a wingman in Afghanistan flying combat missions. Supporting troops on the ground, doing exactly what we had been trained to do. We flew in Afghanistan for several months. Everything we were hearing, all the talk on the news, was an impending situation in Iraq. And so it was like, come home from one deployment and then just prep for the next. We didn't know if we were gonna be the unit that was called upon to go. We had just gotten home from Afghanistan and we got the call that it was us. By March 1st, 2003, we were back on the ground in Kuwait, prepping for Operation Iraqi Freedom. When I landed in Kuwait, I knew immediately that things were different. We were the last A-10 unit to arrive, and so the ramp was just covered with A-10s, with other fighter aircraft, with rescue helicopters. I mean, as far as you could see, it was really clear to us that this war was coming. When we found out that we were gonna be doing close air support over downtown Baghdad, I mean, that was eye-opening for me. Baghdad was surrounded by what we called the Super Mez, the Super Missile Engagement Zone. This was going to be nothing like Afghanistan in terms of the threat. 
There were so many missions to fly. We had very little downtime. Every day was a bit of a grind. During Operation Iraqi Freedom, I flew almost every day. Five times a week, we would fly missions, and sometimes we would fly multiple missions in a day. Just push that aside because you know there are troops on the ground and they're exhausted, they're working hard. What we were dealing with really paled in comparison to what they were going through. On April 7th, 2003, we were tasked to do what we have been doing many days throughout the war, which was provide close air support. At this point, our troops had moved all the way to Baghdad and the resistance had increased. There was a lot more calls for close air support, troops in contact missions. We would fly up to Baghdad. We would air refuel, so we were full of gas. And then we could wait in these stacks to hold. We would stack airplanes up around Baghdad and you would wait in the stack until you got a call. So aircraft would just kind of flow out to go do a mission. The only thing that was a little different this day was that the weather was terrible. Couldn't see the ground below. And in A-10 at the time, we had to be able to get below the weather. Talking with my flight lead, we just kind of thought, well, we may not be able to do anything today. The clouds are so bad that we may not be able to get below the weather. And then we got a call for close air support. So at this point in Baghdad, our ground troops were trying to secure major lines of communication. The ground troops had moved so quickly that a lot of them were waiting on supplies, waiting on ammunition as well. So it was just a very intense time on the ground. When we got the call for close air support, we were told that our friendly troops, the 3rd Infantry Division, were actually awaiting resupply of some ammunition and supplies, but they were taking fire. They had been hunkered down on the west side of the Tigris River. The enemy, which in this case was the Iraqi Republican Guard, was on the east side of the river, firing rocket-propelled grenades into our troops. We got the call to go in and take out the enemy that was hiding underneath what we called at the time the North Baghdad Bridge. We had to try to figure out how to get below the weather. We proceeded immediately over the target location and just figured we would find a hole in the weather and we would get down below. We had no idea what we would find when we got down below the weather. But I remember my flight lead, he very quickly told me that we would be wedge shooters guns, which was our formation, that we would both be shooting and we would be using guns. Yes, the adrenaline is pumping, but how do we get in there as fast as we can? We were in this formation and I looked over at my flight lead and he just rolled inverted and, and disappeared through the weather. He popped out down below the clouds and he said, all right, Casey, it's your turn. And so looked down, found a hole in the clouds and dove through. When we got down below the weather, it was very surreal to see the smoke and the tracers just going back and forth across the river. I mean, it was eye-opening to me. It was the first time that I had been that low to see the firefight and know that our troops were taking fire. My flight lead is moving very quickly. He decides that he is gonna set up for an attack. He's gonna come in north to south so that he can point right underneath the bridge to take out the enemies. I'm in a position about a mile behind him. He rolls in, gets cleared hot, pulls the trigger and 30 millimeter down on the enemy location. 
few seconds later, we hear the call, abort, abort, abort. It turns out it's not effective coming in from that direction. The ground controller tells us, you've got to come in from south to north. North, 75 meters. So now we're pretty predictable. We really now can only come in from one direction. We're going to come in from the south, and then we're going to go off to the west so that we can be over the friendly location. We start to get set up again, and about this time, I'm seeing the firefight happening. There's flashes, there's smoke. And then about that time, I can see something out of my cockpit. It's these puffs of gray and white smoke and a flash. And I realize not only is there this firefight happening across the river, but now the enemy is shooting up at us too. We acknowledge it, we talk about it, we continue with our attack. We're low, we're slow, we're fully loaded with weapons and gas, and so we're heavy. It's a very high threat situation for us. We each do two passes, we use gun. And then we also use high explosive rockets. Really just trying to use forward firing ordnance to get below the bridge as we're shooting. And then I set up for my last rocket pass. My last rocket pass now, we've been in the target area for a little bit. We're a little slower and lower than we'd like to be, but again, we're taking risks because of the troops on the ground. I'm just doing my best to make sure I can hit the target. I roll in, point my nose right underneath the bridge, try to fine tune everything. I hit the pickle button, which is our weapons release button, and immediately pull away from the ground and away from the threat. That's when I just feel and hear this loud explosion at the back of the airplane. There's a red-orange fireball that envelops the aircraft, feeling like a car crash throwing me in the airplane knocks the jet over to the point that it's looking over to the left, looking down at Baghdad. I immediately pull back on the control stick and absolutely nothing happens. And everything, all the training, everything that you do up to this point, even though sometimes it's frustrating, even though sometimes it's painful, you have to be prepared for that moment because the preparation matters because when the situation demands it, you have to be prepared to execute. I'm breathing rapidly because I'm scared. I don't really know what's going on. I can see Baghdad getting closer. I've got this master caution light flashing at me. My panels lit up like a Christmas tree, so I look up at the hydraulic gauges and they're at zero, which is why I can't control the airplane. I have two choices. I can eject, which doesn't sound very good, if I had come down on the east side of the Tigris River, where the enemy was, I think I would have immediately been captured. Who knows if I would have survived. I have also this backup emergency system called manual reversion. It's designed to fly the aircraft without hydraulics. It's old school cranks, cables, and pulleys that allow you to fly the aircraft under this mechanical mode. I remember flipping that switch and just feeling such a sense of relief. To an abbreviated six to nine round burst, Austin recounts racism. Everybody treated him wrong. You're, you're you're the fucking Secretary of Defense. Shut up. 
Nearly one in three veterans agree with the racist great replacement theory. This is military.com, and to you, military.com, we can replace them. It's not a theory. It's not a theory. It's what they're doing. It's their plan. Survey, surprising to some, veterans are less likely to support extremism. NPR, that is just, I'll read the last paragraph. Gustafson said the Vietnam vet who asked the men to take off their partisan hats were wearing a Hunter First Airborne hat, which is not political, and that's the point. There's a lot of people in America are looking at our military and veteran community, as you know, woke, Gustafson said. And then another media silo you can easily take away that our military is full of white supremacists as a military spouse who lives in this community. I know that not to be true. You found a few Proud Boys this goes back to the 90s. This is like Janet Reno, vets are extremists. Symbols of Confederacy are slowly coming down from U.S. military bases. Three essential reads, and I'm reconsidering Confederate iconography, iconography, sorry, memorializing modern-day values. Memorials have expiration dates, too. Okay. You guys didn't give a fuck until somebody did some research. Ukraine is losing 10,000 drones per month, and you and I are paying for it while we're losing millions of dollars just handing it over. Okay. Pentagon investigates if it killed a civilian instead of an Al-Qaeda leader. That is just some fucked up shit. It was a media blip. A fucking blip. You know what? This is the second time they've waxed people that weren't bad guys. Remember, they did a van with aid workers. Cost hikes coming to TRICARE pharmacy users. Of course it is. ACA's got to get a price cut because they vote for Dems. Army starts no penalty purge of ineffective recruiters. Going to blame them. It's not them. Another article, I'm not going to... He is a veteran with a disability, but not technically a disabled veteran. This is a big article to say, like, people like me, I'm not a disabled vet, but I have disabilities. It's a difference. Even though we call ourselves disabled vets, because we got disability. If you're over 50%, you're you're disabled. You're just not 100% disabled. You don't get... 100% of your retirement check. New ISIS group is a branch of terrorist group is becoming the top threat. Thanks, Biden. That baby's just fucking sexy as shit. The Sky Raider. I like it. New proximity round for 30 millimeter chain gun. A couple I missed somehow. VA can't account for 187 million in emergency COVID funding. Thanks. Thanks, VA. Marine unit accidentally emails out 39,000 bank accounts and other personal info. Well, isn't that nice? Jackasses. Star Wars and Stormtroopers show how important marksmanship is. I thought that was one of the funniest things fucking ever. I just 
thought it was hilarious. And I guess I missed a few. This um, this didn't make the paper because, of course, it's a Democrat administration. Please hold. What the fuck? Long read on military.com, but that's fucked up because this also slipped out into the military news ethosphere. They're prepping for ambushes because we're taking it in for them. NPR, who does an article that basically, um, you know, surprisingly, vets aren't extremists because they believe we are extremists. They then, in the same week, you know, because what the fuck? Makes sense to me, right? These are some of the people, and it's pictures of vets. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we... That's what we did on NPR because they, they're fucking assholes. So we're going to go play a uh, lighter fare. It is Matt Best 11X Army Rangers blowing shit up. Go straight in to our media social justice warrior. You're going to have an NBC soundbite about school boards. Freaking out about that because we're not going to do gay today. And two Ammon poor. One to guess see racism in gun buys. Black people own guns, dumbass. We just did a podcast of the black guy on a school corner. Mehdi Hassan got mad. And then Amanpour with another guest agrees that Democrats and Republicans are competing for the most extreme. Yeah, you know who they shaded more extreme. Three, two, one. Well, we need bigger stuff. So we are out here at Arena Training Facility and they have one of the coolest facilities I've ever seen. They have pretty much every range you'd ever want. Um, but today, we're doing demo. And as you can see over here, we got some walls. We got Richard Ryan setting up some slow-mo. But we are going to blow a few walls, some steel doors, some wood doors. Um, and you can see maybe, not that far, but that brick wall over there, we're gonna breach that today as well. So, uh, we're gonna get to building explosives because it just showed up. Let's do it. We are building a ladder charge right here. This is a C2 data sheet. We're gonna stack it five times to create C10. And then we're gonna kind of layer it down on a piece of cardboard. This is like the forbidden fruit roll-up. Oh, look at that. You're all prepped. You get it. Prepped. Yeah, see? Murphy, right there. Murphy in action. So normally I would have fucking run a thing of tape down the middle and done two quick releases. There's nobody behind there that wants to kill us, so we're fine. Yeah, you'd have this either prepped or you'd have your mat with you. Your, your tactical mat on target that your tape handler. Ben, why are you being such a pussy? I'm not going to fucking blow up until somebody fucking does the thing. All right, ah. charge is set. Wall charge set. This is going to suck. Just 
say mission success. That's a that's a perfect, beautiful breach. Watch out. Ranger smash. That was perfect. That was that a great was, size that hole. Amazing. That was a great size hole. That wasn't bad at all. The roof didn't fare well. Well, the one rule was don't blow up the roof, and what did I do? I blew up the roof. Oh well. Holy shit. Okay, enough to do that there. Blow the door off fucking halfway to where Matt is standing. Hmm. A lot of energy still. Yeah, you get the big boy, dude. Yeah, sorry, I was like three seconds from you shitting my pants out there, so. Get this guy right up here, and you're just gonna place him. Put it right under the wood? Yeah. Well, yeah, it should go. Well, we actually identify right now as uh, midlife divorcee, uh, Orange County wives. There you go, it's the cougar charge. It's the cougar charge. Wow. neat. Yeah. I, I think wanted, I'm starting to understand why he's wanted, letting me do this go. one now. I'm gonna be right here with you. I, okay, cool. That makes me feel a lot better. The more but then, support, but then know. what happens is I'm gonna do the Kentucky ballistic, and as the shrapnel goes, I'm gonna rotate in so you absorb it all. Yep. Okay. At least you you can put a thumb in my neck. All right, Brandon. So you're gonna remove that safety right here. Sweet. Okay. Yep. Cool pull as that. Because I've never done anything yep. like this before. Just pull it out right there. There yep. you go. And then you're gonna pull one of those and ready to go. Here we go. All right. Just gonna send it. Yep. Yeah, buddy. That. What do you think? Felt awesome. Did we lose the camera? Well, that's that's GoPro number two dead. We hit the wood line. We made it. Brandon, congratulations. You hit the wood line. Fuck yeah. All right, so in this charge, like I say, we're doing a water impulse, but we're gonna try to do it with espresso. So we're gonna do four by four. Kind of got these stuck together with double-sided adhesive. And then I'm just gonna pretty much map out the cardboard. So the purpose of this with the, the water impulse charge is these are steel doors, and I have an inclination that's gonna rip it off the hinges and probably maybe punch a hole through it. But by design, um, this would be meant to push the door open because you, you can't really cut through a steel door. I mean, you can, but. So hopefully we just huck the door as far as we can. Open from the handle, because you got the key. Shut up. Shh, it's locked. Oh, look at that. Whoa. Whoa. What key? Well, now we've got what to do key? it. This is what we call a water impulse charge. Going hot. Check that out, where's Ben at? <laughs> so you can see all the byproduct. There's a lot of coffee in there. Obviously explosives, but... Oh man, dude, check your face out, bro. Dude, your face! <laughs> yeah! It's the same thing! <laughs> I was hoping that there would be some form of the RTD can of Black Rifle Coffee left over, and that's about, that's all she wrote. We are going to have a little fun, because fun is fun. I've no, I just I'm, kept running. Yeah, I just kept running. That's enough debt cord. I think I'll go home now. <laughs> yeah, there it is. So we have an entire spool, 2,000 feet of debt cord put out over probably, what do you think, 350 meters, I'd say. So we're going to let Mr. Uh, Stefan do the honors. We're ready to go, Jericho. Three, two, one, initiate. 
<laughs> Fucking crazy. I wanted to have fun and play with the fire. And I fucked the sergeant major's grass up, so I think I'm in trouble. I think it's gonna cut right through it, dude. It's a fat kitty. <laughs> well, that didn't quite work out, I don't think. It's got the shape. I didn't get good contact in that last seat. Wow, so the whole center punched out. I didn't I didn't think it was gonna do that much damage to the 300. That's impressive. I'm ready for ISIS summer camp. Sweet. Good luck. Just stay tight on that thing, okay? Just so you know, Brandon, he's totally fucking fine. I'm just trolling the shit out of him right now. That's why I'm walking so far back. It's because I want him to be super nervous about this shot. My name's Brandon Herrera. Welcome to Jackass. Fuck. Welcome to Jackass. Motherfucker, I didn't have ear pro in. Ow. God dang it, dude. Nice. Well done. Breach, breach, breach. Dude, yeah, that's straight cut that bitch out. Unfortunately, you can't take Demo home with us, but um, we get to do a spendex, so we're gonna have some fun. Is that fucking door talk some shit? I'm about to slap it. Not bad. Not bad, boys. We're gonna put these blocks of C4 under this huge rubber buffer and we're gonna place it right under the engine block of this messed up car and see if we could actually, hopefully at least a 180. Yeah, I, don't, I won't tell budget that I put explosives in the back of your car. Here's our lovely car that we're gonna blow up. Add a bunch more rubber to kind of create it a lot higher towards the engine block. Let's see if we can get done. Ah. Oh no, it helps that bro. I'm stuck. See, this is why I would have not made a good like uh, Vietnam tunnel rat. tunnel rat. Enough hypothesizing. Let's just fucking blow it up. Two, one. That was a big boom. That's a big one. I'll bring the car up. That was a lot of fire. Uh, fire extinguisher? It's been chaos. The school board has started to introduce a political divide to a group that had never had one. Do kids feel like adults are taking care of them right now? Um, no. 
For years, Woodland Park school board meetings were uneventful. Now they look more like this. You're a bunch of thieves and cowards. I can't wait to vote you up. Ever since new school board members won seats campaigning on conservative values and then made sweeping changes. They don't want to hear what you have to say. The board chose not to reapply for grants that paid for students' mental health services. They hired a superintendent, Kenneth Witt, who was previously recalled from his seat on a nearby school board after pushing a controversial history program. NBC News obtained this video from a staff meeting where Witt defends his position on mental health. And delivering social services through schools tends to delete to deter a lot of focus on education. The district also became the first in the country to implement a social studies program called American Birthright, developed by conservative activists and rejected by educators around the country, including Colorado's State Board of Education. It emphasizes patriotism and discourages civic engagement. It's terrifying. When Sarah Lee, a Woodland Park teacher for almost two decades, learned what was inside the new program, she started to panic. Anything that is not the way that the leader says it should be is wrong and evil and should be destroyed. And that's how I feel about that American birthright curriculum. Sarah says she was placed on administrative leave after she spoke out at a school board meeting. She is among the nearly 40% of high school staff who won't be returning in the fall, according to a district administrator. On May 10th, when the board voted to extend Superintendent Ken Witt's contract, hundreds of community members lined up in the rain. David Rusterholtz is the school board president. And why would this school take on a curriculum that so many educators say is dangerous? Right, and we're the first ones and the only ones at this point to do it. Tell me, what's in the curriculum that made you want to bring it here? The vast majority of the people who, who, we, who support, that we hear from, that I hear from, they are so proud of us for having put that in there. When I graduated, the vast majority of the graduates were proud to be Americans. And we want to see that happen again because we live in the freest, greatest country in the world. This November, three seats on the school board are up for election. Parents like Matt Galowski worry about how much could change between now. I think that is what, what is so extraordinary about it, especially as we head into a presidential campaign. The idea of how to govern ourselves and how to be a society where everybody has their rights, including, as you've written, Kelly, a book called, I think it's called The Right Not to Be Shot. Again, you argue that that is a constitutional counterweight to gun rights laws like Stand Your Ground. But that's not making any inroads, really, except obviously, as you say, with the general public, but not with the politicians. What more does the public have to do? They've done their marches. They have the, you know, they have the, the vigils. They, you know, the tragedies of what happens in schools and workplaces and, and sports places that get, you know, mowed down like this. It, that constitutional right seems yet not to be able to punch through the other one of the Second Amendment. Can I bring you back now into the United States? Uh, you know, yours is the Center for American Progress. As you see, uh, former President Trump uh, has obviously thrown his hat into the ring. It appears that the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, is very close to doing the same thing. And in the run-up to any declaration, he has apparently signed a whole stack um, of very, very um, tough, tough bills. Um, what do you think, how is this going to proceed, this actual uh, campaign season right now? Everybody competing for the most extreme, at least on the Republican side? You know, uh, Chris John, uh, the, 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 
The, the blood uh, of uh, democracy courses through the heart of uh, competition. We need uh, robust uh, parties, uh, but we need uh, those parties to take up a sense of pluralism, a sense of fairness uh, in competition. That's not what we're experiencing right now. Both Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump and others uh, who are uh, declared and soon to be declared candidates are playing to the extremes of uh, the uh, Republican uh, primary, which unfortunately has uh, been captured by uh, MAGA interests and MAGA uh, instincts, uh, and we have to guard against that. Those of us who care about uh, democracy have to be vigilant when we consider what occurred on January 6th uh, on Capitol Hill, when we consider the kind of policy secession that we're seeing in state after state where they're blocking right, the right to vote, the right of women uh, to choose a direction of uh, their own uh, lives and are subverting uh, d democratic practice. But they're just fucking horrible human beings. Just horrible. This is the kind of shit, and, and it doesn't even fit into This Is America because it's just nonstop crazy fucking shit coming out of our goddamn media, which I I just sometimes, like this, Twitter's a far-right far social network because they're going to let DeSantis announce on it, so it's far-right. They actually ran this article all week, and the coach said, I can't believe it wasn't sold out for her first game. Yet, she hates America. She hates America. Why? Why, why would people go to see her? And then we go straight into This is America because I, I, this has to be here. Here are three sound bites going after Tim Scott, who announced. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. This is America. And he's one of these guys who, you know, he's like Clarence Thomas, black Republican who believes in pulling yourself by your bootstraps, rather than, to me, understanding the systemic racism that African Americans face in this country and other minorities. He doesn't get it, neither does uh, Clarence. Right. And that's why they're Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I <laughs> When he talks about personal responsibility as the engine that got him there, you know, I mean, Democrats can, if they do decide to engage him, turn around and say, well, listen, you know, you've got a lot of poverty in your state. Uh, it's nice to give people lectures about personal responsibility, but you could also try raising the minimum wage or improving what is ranked as the sixth worst school system in the whole country. Yeah, there are some other things that Tim Scott has come out against. Um, being uh, the the only black American right now um, that is in the Senate as a Republican, um, he has opposed civil rights laws. He has made it more difficult and increasingly targeting diversity, equity, and inclusion policies. So within his own party, and even the Democratic Party, because if Democrats fear them the most, the idea is that some Democrats may vote for him because of his story. Does that work? Does that make sense? I think it's really difficult to try and understand what lane Tim Scott would take up because he's talking, you know, 
he's almost kind of evoking this welfare queen's nostalgia, talking about, you know, this victimhood mentality, kind of bringing back these things, very targeted ways of kind of talking about poverty, kind of ways of talking about race without talking about race. So I think it's hard to imagine him capturing particularly white liberals or black voters with that kind of talk. But then you also think, okay, is he really going to get the Trumpist? Because he's not a Trump. I got to tell you, I'm also happy he's in the race because I think there is such a dearth of uh, melanin in the Republican Party and also of optimism and unity. Uh, well, let me be the curmudgeon, I guess. Um, I, I don't know who his message is supposed to resonate with, actually. Um, he's talking about victimhood and personal responsibility as if... Um, people aren't taking responsibility for their own actions. Um, and, and it just seems to me that the Republican Party has a real racism problem. I mean, and those aren't my words, those are the words of Michael Steele uh, in 2018. He was asked as a Republican, the former RNC chairperson that was the first black person to hold that position. And he said, there's a real problem with racism within the Republican Party. And he should know. I don't know that the overwhelming base would vote for someone like, like Tim Scott. If he had come out and he had said, you know what? Here's what has been happening, and here's how I'm going to change it. Yeah. Instead, for me, he came out and did that dog whistle, mm -hmm. victimhood. As soon as you say that, you know what he's talking about. I didn't like that. I didn't like it. You know? That. One of the issues that Tim Scott um, has is that he seems to think because I made it, everyone can make it, ignoring, again, the fact that he is the exception and not the rule. And until he is I, the rule, he has, then he can stop talking about systemic racism. Clarence Thomas syndrome. But I do think that he... He's done some good stuff, okay. But if you're running for president, you got to do more than that. Yeah. You have to represent us as a nation and then say, and as a black man, this is also how I feel. But you can't pretend that it's not there mm -hmm. and that it's not an issue for the people you're running, for the party you're running for. Mm -hmm. They are in part. They actually asked him if he was a virgin. They're insinuating he's gay. A black man gay and that was a white woman saying he doesn't know what it is Whoopi saying he doesn't know what it is they what the fuck what the actual fuck how is that okay and then we get into the meat potatoes of shit Vanity Fair look at that he's David Duke? Elon Musk. Looks like Babylon B has some competition. Senate sets announced a 2020 White House bid in conversation with the guy who, among other things, has made Twitter a safe haven for hate speech. No. No, it's not. Media matters. It's hard to have much patience for centers to claim that descendants is not an essential threat that Trump is when I have friends who have to flee their lifelong homes and leave behind friends' jobs. Nobody's fleed. Nobody's being persecuted. They're so bad about DeSantis. Before I play the sound bites, Politico, the Casey DeSantis problem, his greatest asset and his greatest weakness. 
For nearly a decade long, though, others who have worked with her or around her have nodded more quietly to the downsides of the starring part of she plays. She is and always has been far as most important advisor, they say, because she's hesitant to cede the space to nearly anybody. The DeSantis inner circle is too small and remains so, they say, not only because he constantly doesn't trust people, but because he doesn't. Have you ever noticed Roger Stone, the notorious political mischief maker, is both a DeSantis antagonist and um, many decades long Trump loyalist, remarked in a Telegram post last fall? How much Ron DeSantis' wife is like Lady Macbeth? Molly Hemingway. This is such a deranged and catty piece from Michael Cruz. I could only assume she once rejected him or something. Puck. Run, Ronnie, run. So let me get this straight. Jill Biden owns everything. She runs our government. She's a doctor. But Casey DeSantis is an ice queen. Vindictive. It is with Scott and DeSantis, it's always the same thing. When a person of color steps out of line, the media hate them more than a white candidate. Because in their minds, why would you do that? Because they see all conservative policy as white supremacists because they brainwash themselves. But this week we have the readout, pro-life for the Taliban, Florida is a terrorist state, and another hit on, is it MSDNC on DeSantis? America is on board there with, with uh, it, it's, the, is. it's the transgender thing, yes. which I think is like one tenth of one percent. Okay, but this is what makes it, it, no it's sense. It's a distinction. Transgender uh, is now, transgender is now this giant thing that we're talking about every single day, it's and we have bigger issues in and this country. Every single legislature has made it the number one thing. The first bill that they passed, which is either the transgender surgery or the or, or talking about these issues, it's somehow been elevated. And and I think there was a, a piece in the Times not too long ago that says it was basically kind of invented. It yeah. wasn't oh, anybody's yeah, it, it, this it, is it's not, a straw yeah. man in yeah. order so we don't talk about the things that we need to talk about. Right, but that's it's why always, always the case. But that's right? why I always say it's not really about being anti woke, it's about pro racial hierarchy. That's what he's selling. And he's selling that to a very. Could you explain no. what that means? Pro, what, pro racial hierarchy. Pro racial hierarchy means it's thank like you, a, it's, it's, it's thank you. You're welcome. It's leading to the, this sort of pro white supremacy, right? It's like we want to teach, we want to make right. sure that our version of history is taught, not your version, yeah, not yeah, your yeah, version. Exactly. It is a right. very specific type of version of, of history that's being taught in a very specific way. If you look at DeSantis's battles against the uh, the College Board, if you look and at taking the, books the, out of schools, taking books out of talk schools, about all people of, of color and the history. It of is a, is it's a larger campaign that is being waged across the country. But so my, my, my point, though, is that with a Ron DeSantis candidacy, is he's not expanding. And this is your point. He's not expanding the base. He's he's actually digging deeper in in terms of concentrating that anger and that hate when Donald Trump conflated economic nationalism and ethnic nationalism. He's doubled down on that. I don't know if that's winning. He's, I don't know if that's winning. He's doubling down on MAGA because Make America too. Great Again, it was only great historically. The only person at this table historically things were better for is you. Me? Yeah, the white guy at the table. What does that mean? That's, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, what, I mean, what MAGA is rooted in.
Aisha Mills, Basil is still with us. Um, Aisha, this is, I have talked for seven years about the asymmetry of covering Trumpism in America, something so audacious and so unimaginable that the normal ways of rapidly responding are inadequate. This seems to address that asymmetry and, um, and say, I, I, I got this. What do you think? I think it was extremely clever um, and, and I really appreciate the NAACP's guidance uh, on this issue. You know, I just took my family to, to spring break in Florida recently. And I think about all of the folks who traveled there for sun and joy um, and peace and restoration. And to be reminded that actually this is getting to the point where Florida is about to be a terrorist state to, to many of us here in America, certainly as a lesbian, as a black woman. I don't want to have anything to do with the place. Um, and I think about all the other people who don't want to travel there either. And so I think it was very clever on behalf of the NAACP. I thank them uh, for issuing this broad uh, guidance. And, you know, really what it does is it turns a remarkable, uh, I think, lens on the United States and highlights how bigotry and bias and ignorance do as much harm uh, as we accuse other countries uh, of doing to people that they suppress. You know, it has been pointed out to me by people who work. Joining me now is Minnie Timuraju, president of NARAL Pro-Choice America. And that scene of women weeping and chanting shame while a man bangs the gavel and basically tells them, if you can't be quiet and let us strip you of your rights, you can get out. Mm. It felt very Taliban to me. And, and, and I, you know, I bring up Taliban a lot with my, my, my poor beleaguered team. But the thing about Republicans now is that they are acting in a very Taliban-esque way. They are a religious group of extremists who they definitely don't care about children. They want to control women. They want total control over women. And they are exercising that control. Let's put up the map. All across the former slave states and in states in the West that they control, while women have no power to stop them, or a few like Trisha Cotham join them. And then these women wake up in a, in a state where they have no rights. They even have, I think her name is Jennifer, uh, Tara Palmari. I tried once more with DeSantis at the State House, peacefully following him down a stairwell, asking him more questions, each of which he ignored. DeSantis seemed almost to be running away from me. The slow motion chase ended with DeSantis behind the black tinted windows of an SOV, SUV. Stephen Miller. Also, there is no clip here where it seems to be almost running away. You were basically a shitty spaghetti factory waiter asking a customer why your annoying service sucks so bad and please don't fire me. I recorded it all. I mean, yeah, we saw it. It's a joke. She chased him down. It was my personal observation of what DeSantis critics mean when they call him a paper tiger, a superficially perfect test tube Republican candidate who on closer inspection is probably not ready for prime time. And in person, I immediately sensed a very difficult potential candidate, a guarded politician who has no interest in actually engaging with other humans and was perhaps even a little scared of the spotlight. He had trouble making eye contact with people in the crowd. I tried once again with DeSantis at the State House. Blah, 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 blah. Here are some of Tara Pomali's truly hard-hitting questions. Here's the video. Thank you. 
That's not journalism. That's the shit they did to cinema. That's the shit that they did to um, motherfucker in West Virginia. It's attack journalism. He's a Latinx. Tim Scott is an African-American. Back in hoodies and gym shorts, Fetterman tackles Senate life after depression treatment. In this article by the AP, they literally say he's figured out a workaround so he doesn't have to be in a suit and tie on the floor because he goes to the cloakroom, which is next to it, and he votes. And then we find out they got an $8 million grant, 64 climate stories, and why they're super woke. A freaking leftist organization gave them money. So no wonder they've gone super woke. It's paying the bills. That's the Associated Press. Not CNN, MSDNC, not Fox. The Associated Press. A wire service who reports just news. That's what it used to be. It was just news. That's how people got news. How is that okay? That's like Fox getting an $8 million grant from the NRA. Same equivalency. But when you break down everything we've seen over the last six years since Trump, Pfizer was porking money in it. So that's why they all said get the vax. Get the jab. PPFA finances everything. I mean, for fuck's sake, folks. It is what our media is now. They're no longer objective. They are part of the machine, the woke machine. DI, HRC, all those little things, that's why they do what they do. That's why Target which I didn't cover, which shame on me because I meant to cover this. Let me see. Uh, hold one. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Here we go. I sent it to my brothers and sisters and I, I like totally fucking forgot because I was going to do a, a gay se- shit segment today. Folks, Remember, Target started no kid colors. Then Target started um, more woke stuff. Now, that's Satan. They're selling a Satan, Satanist, LGBT, tuck-friendly, front-of-the-store outfits. And you've seen it everywhere. But it's because they got to get that score. They want that good ESG stuff. You get, to do it, you got to be woke. It's what you got to do. Next podcast, I'll cover in depth because I'm going to go to ours to see if it's actually there. They did tranny bathrooms in places. And it's these dark money leftist organizations that are making our media crazy. They're making our corporations woke. 
But I think your humble podcast host told you, or not told you, you already knew. I don't want to be pompous ass. It doesn't matter who runs. After 2016, it doesn't matter even if they got the Republican governor, Isa Hutchinson. They really want that guy to run because he'll lose brutally to Biden. But he'll be a Nazi. But you think what would happen of a Latinx, I'm using their lingo, a black I mean, this is tantamount to Biden saying he's a very articulate black man. Oh, wait a minute. He's president. Yeah, he got away with that with Obama. He got made vice president. Isn't that interesting? But they're mercilessly attacking these two when they have told us, and we started our show today to close the loop, by HRC. If he wins, we lose America. Democracy is in fucking peril. We gotta stop Trump. Well, wouldn't you stop Trump by not doing Trump? I mean, there's two theories on this. Theory one, they truly believe in their heart they're gonna get $81 million for the fucking walking corpse in Biden. That's theory one. So they want Trump because he's an easier get they believe. Or two, maybe a little bit of both. It's good for ratings. If they get Trump, they get the ratings back. They've been in the shitter. CNN's in the shitter. MSNBC's in the shitter. WAPO, New York Times. They can't keep the subscribers. They, they feed Trump stories every day. Mediate. Oh my God. The front page every day is 50% Trump said. Trump posted a Trump ally, a Democrat strategist, a Republican strategist. I mean, yesterday it was DeSantis big money donor. Trump needs to drop out of the race. That was the second story with everything going on. Including at that time, we didn't know the guy who crashed the White House was an Indian from India. So either it's they want those ratings back and they're Pulitzers. And, I mean, I don't know what they do now. They've already burned Russia and now everybody knows it's not true. I think it's going to be what Hillary said, got to save Ukraine. And I think they'd be a little astounded with how many people don't give a fuck about Ukraine. Ukraine, they, they don't give a fuck. Why would they? We're porking billions into that place. Nothing's changed. Nothing we've done has helped. And now we know we've lost money. We don't even know where it went. I mean, what the fuck? fuck? But that's bullshit. And yes, hey, if Tim Scott and DeSantis said, we're going to work together, one of us is going to be the VP and we're a dual ticket your humble host would be walking doors. I'd be getting active. I'd be the first time I ever worked for a campaign. I'd volunteer. Mine got a job. What the fuck? DeSantis is cocky enough to fight the culture war, but he's not stupid. And Tim Scott makes sausage. He knows how Washington works. It's a perfect ticket. It's way more perfect than Biden and Harris.
Biden was in the Senate for 30 fucking years, but do we know any big bill he ever did? He's been for and against every fucking subject on the planet, and all you know Harris for is throwing a lot of brothers in the fucking jail. Let's be honest. That's what she did. She was a DA. She was part of all those huge drug busts. She was part of all those laws. Oh, wait a minute. Biden passed them, too. Yeah. And they both were for the border, against the border. They were against gay marriage, and now they're for gay marriage. You know the deal. They, they're fucktards. What do they have for experience? Harris got it because she's got a black vagina. That's it. That's how she got the job. They were scared that people wouldn't vote. So the person with less than 1% of primary votes, nobody wanted her, including African-Americans. I mean, you don't see African-Americans going, it is so important to have Camila, Kamula, Kamala, whatever the fuck, in the White House so black little girls can dream one day of being vice president. You don't see that. You see white people saying that. For them, it's virtuous. For regular Joe, she's a fucktard. She fucked to get her job. I mean, I knew that before we even ran. And then what else? He got butt leg because he sucks dick and he's a bottom or a top. Not going to work. Nobody likes him. He was a mayor and a failed transportation transportation secretary. Bernie? Nope. HRC? Clearly not going to work. Dems didn't vote for her the first time. Who do you got? You got a bunch of Latinx, which is so odd you didn't run. I would have gave money the two brothers down in Texas are running because they're going for this whole let every Latino person in the country so we can get votes forever and replace the voting blocks we have now. I'm sure there's a competent gay person in the caucus because it seems like your priority is an African American anymore it's trannies that's all you care about it's all you talk about climate and trannies I, there's got to be a tranny climate person somewhere but no it's Biden 80 year old mushmouth whose wife has to be called doctor And DeSantis' wife is Lady Macbeth, and Trump wife's a whore. Somehow, I still, I'm, I, it's what the media is, it's what we expect, it's what I say will happen whenever I talk about stuff, foreshadowing in my simple Joe fucking way, not that I'm an expert. Folks, This shit is unbelievably inappropriate, and they can do it. The media's doing it. I mean, you expect Democrats to go, he's not a real black man. And white liberals say that. They say it all the time. I I just played fucking Joy Behar saying it. But in the last three months, Thomas, DeSantis, Scott... The black lady that ran for office in, what, Philly or some shit? It is unbelievable. 
how every time the right nominates people that are of the intersectionality ballot, they're either not black, not a woman, not gay, not Latino, token black, token gay, token Latino. And the rules of the game don't apply anymore. You don't apply the rules that you can't say that. And Joy Reid, once again, pro-life are the Taliban. Think about that statement. How much mental jujitsu you got to do to come up with that bullshit. Because it's not pro-life destroying shit. It's pro-death. There isn't a huge PPFA type organization in this country financing everybody's election. NRA don't do it. 10 mil max. Nothing finances dark money more than the left. I mean, I still chuckle 2004, 2008, 12, 16, 20, and 24. Dark Republican money. We're going to roll out the Koch brothers, the this, the that, the whatever. Yet, while they do these, they always say, Obama, Hillary, Biden are sitting on a war chest of seven gazillion dollars. I mean, it's like fucking the spy who shagged me shit. They always have more money. They always spend more money. And they don't define it other than Bernie and Obama won. Obama won was individual small money donors. It's dark money. If you laid out every think tank in D.C., the majority's left. And if you lay out every donor, the majority is left. And if you lay out every media member who donates, it's left. Every media member that is voting for Democrats, it's left. Corporations, left. They say the same things over and over. Republicans just want to give the rich tax cuts. But they're the corporate party now. They shit on the middle class. They don't give a fuck. They want high gas. They want you not to have a gas car. They're regulating. They want you to pay a penalty if you don't have green grids. While simultaneously letting 6.5 million and counting illegals come in to replace their voting block. They're the ones that say, oh, I don't want to defund the police, but I want to reimagine it And all you motherfuckers are bitching about getting murdered. You're fucking racist while we just do a turnstile for cashless bail. I want to take all your fucking guns. Nobody needs an AR. Nobody needs magazines more than one round. While they let every gangbanger and thug, white, black, gay, Martian, and every blue city do a turnstile. Because the white ones just got to say they're a tranny. And they just walk through. 
We don't punish it. Obama started it. Nobody wants to go back to the fact that he pardoned all these small crimes for African Americans because it was unfair and equity and shit, but they didn't call it equity at the time. And the majority of those people were gun violations, felons in possession. And the majority of that was felons in possession, jacking cars, robbing shit, beating people. I mean, on every step of the last seven years, Trump called it China flu, fuel, flu. So black people are beating up Chinese. I mean, it took them two years to show videos and they just, do you notice you don't even hear that anymore and it's still happening? Black on white crime, white on black crime. Stats get out, it just goes away. Cop shoot, goes away. Shootings. And attacks. This is seven. Seven. We don't know Dick anymore. They're off the net. Because he's not white. I mean, there's still the hardcore motherfuckers out there trying to say, oh yeah, well you know, uh, Latino, Arabs, all these fucking people. Yeah, Arabs. Asian motherfuckers. Yeah, they're white supremacists. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, seriously. I mean, we were talking the other day. Think about Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, early, early, early. 2021, Nashville had a bombing. He hit the phone grid from Nashville up anybody was an AT&T was fucked we don't know anything about that never got a motive went off the paper we don't know about the LA shooting we no longer hear about the white incel Christian nationalist uber mega Nazi stochastic terrorist motherfuckers hitting the grid that just went away Because as sure as my dick is short, they found out it wasn't white people. We've had, what, 30 processing plants for food. Warehouses. Tyson chicken. Burned to the fucking ground. Media never covered for it. Because who would be doing that? Well, of course it'd be lefties. Green energy and shit. That stuff, cow farts, chicken farts and shit. That's bad. They want us all eating bugs. If I had a theme today, which I stopped doing because the scroll got on my nerves. Projection. From now until we all die, our media and the Democrats will be projecting what they're exactly going to do. Because if you don't think this wasn't a fishy attack that they're personally talking about Nazis, they're handing out cell phones, and Mamba Papajaya, part of the squad, is saying there's going to be violence. If you don't think we're going to have some shit, you're smoking crack. You're just smoking crack. They're trying to find a way to do mail-in ballot mandatory. They're trying to find a way 
to capture an election like they did it last time. And they're worried Trump won't get on the ticket. Because there's not enough people fired up about it. You can keep saying all over and over, don't say gay, NAACP. I mean, do you think all this shit is just individually things? I mean, we all know this. NAACP... NAACP with the Democrats and the media launched their attack. Disney's launching their attack. All this shit with DeSantis is just trying to, they're trying to kill him because his polling numbers are too good. He whoops Biden more than Trump does. But somehow he doesn't beat Trump because they're separate polls, different questions. If you don't think it's not coordinated, you're smoking the canker, the Krakosaurus. It's all coordinated. They're scared. If Tony Reid's fucking ticket goes up, they're winning a black Latino Republican ticket. While the left is doing a brain-dead white dude and a black Asian person nobody wants. Or claims. So they got to cook some shit up. Some martial law. Some civil unrest. Some law changes. I mean, all their plans didn't work. They didn't get everybody taken off the ballot for being insurrectionists. That's why they rolled that word out and ran it like a goddamn fucking pair of dirty underwear up a fucking flagpole for fucking two years. They stretched out their stupid J6 majority of Americans. It's just a riot that got out of hand. Now they're really reeling because all that Durham stuff out and it's stuck. People believe it. They know it was all cooked up by Hillary. Everybody with the fucking brain could see it was just weird because that kind of shit comes from the FBI and the CIA. It doesn't come from HRC. And Robbie Mook put it out in June. They're fucked. They need something. J6 doesn't work. They can't use COVID like last time. You can't say Trump is the greatest threat to democracy when you're saying DeSantis would be a worse threat and Tim Scott is a bigger threat. I mean, it's like the boy who cried wolf shit. Not everybody could be a fucking Nazi. They're going to try. And I will tell you right now, the DeSantis... Casey DeSantis' attack is purposely because that woman is beautiful, and as my wife said, she looks the role. People are scared because what I read online, and I don't really remark about it, they look a lot like a JFK type shit. Young, beautiful couple with beautiful kids, an American success story, immigrant. I mean, it's everything. And the media tries, but they don't realize nobody believes it's don't say gay. Nobody is against it. Floridians, independents, liberals, everybody's for it. These laws just don't, it's not like the left. The left 
wants green energy, so they pass an Inflation Reduction Act that's actually a green energy bill. Nobody asked for it. Yeah, that crazy 18%, but nobody wanted that shit. They don't want 50,000 charging stations. They want cheaper gas. They don't want to not be able to have a gas car. They don't want their grid attached to the fucking green shit because they watch Texas freeze to death. That's just them and their ideology and the people that are actually running things, not Biden, not Kamala, just doing shit. In some cases, sure, the abortion is a little farther than probably if they took a poll. But in the states that are passing abortion restrictions, the states that are passing school board stuff and fucking anti-transing the kids, not anti-gay or anti-trans, and anti-public lewdness, that shit is coming from voters. It's just like the motherfucker for Virginia. He campaigned on what people wanted, and that's what they voted for. Because they don't want this shit. And when you unroll the fucking shitty pair of goddamn diapers, you see the turd was turded by you, Dems. You closed the school because your fucking money-grubbing teachers union said they wouldn't sponsor your next election. And then parents saw everything. And then parents, black parents, gay parents, Martian parents said, fuck that shit. I mean, there are polls out there that fucking school choice is hurting districts. There's a governor right now, and I'm waiting for it to fish out to see if it's like a real big deal. He wants to pass regulations against it because people are pulling pitch. But all these bills came from you. You shit the bed. You're the ones doing this shit having that conversation that we don't teach CRT is taught in school, but then we are and you're racist because we don't want, because you don't want to teach slavery bullshit that nobody's buying. So what DeSantis is doing isn't authoritarian. Isn't Hitler-esque. Isn't culture war shit. I mean, if you want to criticize the Disney fight, it was probably a bit much, but fuck! That's a billion-dollar corporation that's fucking not paying taxes. What the fuck? Owning their own town. And misrepresenting a bill passed in the legislature of Florida asked for by the constituents of Florida. That's what Floridians want. Thus, they're doing it. But this projection, it's going to get worse. The attacks on DeSantis, Scott, purposeful. They're going to attack their family. I will guarantee before it's all said and done, the primary start, there will be articles that Tim Scott's gay. And we will all point at it and go, what the fuck is that? How can you do that? I thought you can't do that. Because of the right media said this guy sucks dick he's not a good candidate that would be homophobia correct but they'll do it they're going to pull out all the stops if that chat room was here which it is there's a slack channel somewhere that the media is all on just like Obama 
They're going to come out with knives, chainsaws, fucking C4. They're going to try to destroy everybody because they're holding a bad hand. That 40% is bullshit. You know it and I know it. His poll numbers are worse than Trump's. Nothing he's doing, people want. Nothing he's saying makes any goddamn sense. He can't negotiate stairs. And he can't remember world leaders' names. And that's my last spot, and I'll finish my rant. Do you remember when Trump couldn't name people, or Republicans did? They couldn't name those people, they couldn't articulate it. How that was unfit for office? This is like the fifth time he's mispronounced people's names, shook hands with dead people, at least 20, and literally asked for people to come back from the grave for a briefing. The media cannot cover it and think it doesn't hurt. But as we filmed a guy squeegeed next to a subway, social media is getting around the Chuck Todds and the J-Cap Tappers. You're not going to be able to, by omission, not report this stuff. He's not even... He's not doing debates with his party. He doesn't want to do debates with Trump. I'm sure Trump doesn't want to do debates with him because if I was a Republican, I wouldn't do it. It's a loaded debate. It's not even nonpartisan. He'll be campaigning with a lot of Obama, Clinton, HRC, yeah. Surrogates will do most of the heavy hitting just like they did in 2020. And I truly believe they're going to get their feelings hurt. Because I don't know anybody. I don't read, other than paid influencers, anybody crowing about Joe Biden. That motherfucker is fucked up. His presidency has been fucked up. People see it. So, that wraps up this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share with the family and friends. Go to SoundCloud or Flyover Politic with the K on the SoundCloud. Rumble, 482467. Email me at foppodcast at gmail.com. Sorry for the long rant. We will go with our next show, 28 May, Year of Our Lord, 2023, a Sunday show. Until then, thank you for listening and take care. Every death is a tragedy, y'all. Seven lives.